Joso. Uh, no. More about gel coat. When the force. Don't you call in the. More importantly. Well, hey, Tootie Fruities. It's time for another TV Talkaholics. Hey there. It's me, David. Hi, Matthew. Hi, David. How are you, my love? I'm okay. <laughs> I'm excited to hear you explain to our listeners what the Muppet Show was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, in the dawn of time, Jim Henson was born in Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know where. I'm. Here's the funny thing. I did get some uh, bits and pieces, not much, because I literally thought to myself, I don't need to explain what the fucking Muppets are. There is so much out there. Now you realize this? How long have we been doing these? <laughs> About, uh, it's over two years now. It's Felt over two years. The need to just describe different strokes, but you figure everybody knows what the Muppets were. What? You never know. There might be I, people from Canada listening that have never heard of a Muppet. Well, Canada, really? No, it was partially produced in England and but we're getting ahead of ourselves. All right. <laughs> this month on TV Talkaholics, we are going to be discussing Cloris Leachman as a guest on the original OG Muppet show. <sighs> February 12th, 1978. It is from the second season. It's the, it's the final episode of the second season. So season two, episode 24. And uh, it fills me with joy. I love the Muppets and I particularly love this version, this incarnation of the Muppet show. And I don't remember ever having seen this episode before. There's a lot I do remember of individual shows. This one, I may have missed the first go round. So this was like a whole new experience for me. So I am, I am as happy as a little girl. Well, when it went on Disney Plus, like it was a big deal that finally, like they were all the episodes were there. And I I started watching at the beginning and watched all three seasons of them. I mean, some shows are definitely better than others, but I just mm -hmm. have you ever met somebody that's like, oh, I hate the Muppets. I don't want to know that person. Who is that? Per who hurt that person? I know <laughs> they hate the Muppets. Like I understand they've become controversial since Disney bought them and Jim Henson died. Like, I mean, there have been some Muppet incarnations where I'm like, oh, that was rough. But now, what did you think of the the newest uh, network version, just called The Muppets? Period. The one where Miss Piggy is the host of a late night talk show. Um, I didn't hate that one. I thought that was actually pretty good and pretty smart. Um, I liked it too. And so many people, well, what you've got going on here, and this is the same for any franchise and particularly the franchises that appeal to kids like your Star Wars and your Star Trek and all that. It's, there is always a changeover where the, the people who created it and initially made it did not grow up with it. Now we have one, well, technically two generations yeah. later where, like you said, the Muppets are ubiquitous. Nobody doesn't know them. Nobody doesn't love them. So now these are people trying to write to something that's already kind of in their DNA. And 
and then the viewers are criticizing it through those same lenses. And oh. it, uh, it's like it's like episode uh, eight of the Star Wars thing where everyone was like episode seven was just like the same thing as the others it was just like a you know redoing the original movie it was so it was all the same it was the same okay you're tired of same have a big old heaping helping of the last jedi whoa this is too different what the fuck are they doing with the franchise nothing's like it should be but it's like well y'all can shut the fuck up yeah really Tox toxic fandom of everything has taken over but I love the Muppets. I love, have you ever seen a Muppet in person, David? Mm -hmm. They're interesting in person. They are. It's so weird. It looks like Joan Rivers. They look a certain way on TV and then you see them in person and it's like, oh, you look very different. Oh, you think they look different? Well, I mean, they look, they're smaller than you think they're going to be. Like to me anyway, like when I've seen Muppets, I'm, like it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around watching the Muppet show and realizing how small the set actually had to be. Oh, God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like in my head, if I went to Fraggle Rock, it would be life size for me. But yeah, it's not. And mm. I have a friend who just worked on the most recent Fraggle Rock incarnation, which I haven't seen yet. But like I saw the Muppets, I saw a big Jim Henson display at um, the museum for the Museum of the Moving Image in um, New York. It was in Astoria, Queens. And I burst into tears seeing these Muppets. Yeah, Ken Reed said the same thing. He'd rounded a corner, did not know it was there. And he laid eyes on it and he burst into tears. I saw, uh, there's a Kermit and Miss, this is terrible. I should remember this. They have something at the Smithsonian along with, you know, Archie Bunker's chair and all that, yeah. the sort of, is a Kermit there. And I don't know, maybe because it's, you know, behind glass, it looks like a, a zoo or a, 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 you know, formaldehyde preserved specimen or something. It's, uh, yeah, I, um, they, I did not find it to look much different. And I was unmoved. And if you had asked me, now, if I had never seen a Muppet, do you think you would cry? I'd be like, yeah, I probably would cry if I ever saw a Muppet in person. And I didn't. Yeah. They had the Fraggles there and Uncle Traveling Matt, like he made me cry. And mm -hmm. seeing big, seeing an actual big bird was that made me cry. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it was a mess. Yeah. But it's our childhood. That's the thing. And if you think about uh, looking at the original Muppet movie, the two songs in it, the well, not two songs, most of the songs in it, but in particular, I'm going to go back there someday, Rainbow Connection. And it's like those songs are, uh, they are so heartfelt and have such meaning for us because they were sung by these simple, innocent characters, you know? Well, and it's not easy being green. Oh, I mean, yes. Were True. those all right? Was that was Paul Williams, wasn't it, who wrote? the music most the, of them yes because like joe raposo is the one for me that like wrote just wonderfully heartbreaking he like he really knew how to use simplicity to to hit your right in the right in the heart yeah <laughs> you, you were gonna say another part of the body i saw but right in the uh, balls yeah and i will say it uh, of all the adaptations of A Christmas Carol, 
Muppets Christmas Carol is close to the top of my list. It is one of still my all-time favorites. Oh, it's the it's the epitome of the epitome, the, film. the, def- the definitive. It really is. It's the only one that starts with an act the actual opening line from it's the only filmed version that starts with the actual opening line from a Christmas Carol. Yeah, with the Gonzo and Rizzo as Gonzo technically is playing Charles Dickens in it, isn't he? Isn't that yeah. how he starts off? And it's I remember seeing it in the cinema and thinking, how in the hell are they gonna pull this off? It was one thing when in the Muppet movies there was always this heightened reality. It was kind of their world and we were sort of humans living in it yeah. type of thing. But it's like, okay, how do you do Dickensian England with you know puppets and rats and a frog and a pig and just, and yet it- <laughs> And Michael Caine playing it like, <laughs> he is playing it like it's fucking Shakespeare. And that was the and, choice that he made. And well, he should have, it was perfect. They explained it to him. They're like, okay, this is how the Muppet world is. And he said, if I'm going to play this, I'm going to play it serious as cancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it worked. My, yeah. My cocaine. Have you seen my cocaine? I know it was around here somewhere. Hmm. What? Huh? Yeah. I love everything Muppets and I get that it's not the same. I get that the current things we see that the Muppets are in, even the newest series, which was actually a bunch of um, YouTube shorts that they were going to dole out. They ended up clumping them together. And uh, what is it called? Muppets? Muppets Now. Muppets Now. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, that one was uh, really, uh, just really fun and clever and, and had some improv in it. Like they had real chefs squaring off with the Swedish chef and like a host. I mean, that was clearly not scripted. And well, it was and fun. I, I know there was a, a lot of like bullshit recently about um, Gonzo wearing a dress or something. But I wanted to know, did these people miss the last two incarnations of the Muppets? Because they have clearly made gay Muppets. Oh, Bunsen, Honeydew and Beaker. They have made um, Miss Piggy. <laughs> they've turned him into the, her dresser. Um, oh, Uncle Deadly. Uncle Deadly. They've made him an old queen. <laughs> yeah. And he is hilarious. Oh, my God. It's genius. It is There's so There's another Muppet that I was like, they've made a Muppet of me. And, oh, fuck. He's in Muppets now. And Kermit is interviewing RuPaul. And this gay pig Muppet walks in. Have oh. you seen that? Yes, yes. Where oh my God. He does all the answering for, the, for RuPaul. Where are you from? Atlanta. And anyways, <laughs> RuPaul, I just love it. And he's so precious and, I'm, and adorable. And I, every time I see it, I watch it and I laugh because I'm like, oh my God, it's me as a Muppet. <laughs> he's an ugly pig who is flamingly gay. And yeah, oh, they're totally trying to keep up with the times as they did with Sesame Street and... Uh, I think maybe the biggest overarching thing about the Muppets that it doesn't have anymore is that Jim Henson was subversive. Jim Henson was counterculture. He was essentially a hippie. He was always trying to do stuff that took standard middle-class white America and flip it on its ear. 
those early, I mean, just how many explosives just blowing shit up. There's there's such a subversive quality to the early Muppet stuff. And now because of Disney, because of uh, the evolution and, you know, the new political correctness, woke culture and stuff like that. There's this, you know, desperate need to stay within a very narrow lane of, of acceptedness. But, but yeah, they've not shied away from the gay characters. There was a big, like, drunken after-hours office party and uh, in, in the Muppets, period. The, um, the ABC, the, the, the ABC uh-huh. special. And the next morning... Kermit's like calling the staff meeting and looks down. He says, Bunsen, how come you and Beaker are wearing each other's clothes from last night? And Beaker goes, what? And Bunsen says, nope, don't answer that, Beaker. Our private lives belong to us or something. But it was just like a- Well, there's an episode where the celebrity guest meets Beaker and like somehow asks asks Beaker like how they should make out the thing. And Beaker mumbles something. And her response is, all right, live your truth, girl. And he snaps and walks away. Like, <laughs> One thing I'll say about the Muppets period, there was so much controversy because this constant pull and push of Miss Piggy and Kermit, are they a couple? Are they not a couple? Are they really romantically together? This, you know, the will they or won't they, which is going on 40 years now that whole thing so they gave kermit a different girlfriend who was also a pig kermit yeah. clearly has a type but everyone was losing their shit over kermit shouldn't be with this other good kermit miss piggy blah, blah. and people were the the toxic fandom w- was going nuts with that and i agree it does feel a little weird and off but i'm also of the mindset like no they would never not eventually get back to being kermit and miss piggy come on come on it's the ultimate will they, won't they? And after 50 years, we still don't know. Uh, and I'm still here for it. Because they're smart it. enough to know that once they do, it's over. The, true. So true. And I think Kermit and Miss Piggy reconcile when she ends up in the hospital, like she's sick or something. And uh, this fascinated me. Miss Piggy is in the hospital. So she's just stripped down to nothing. And somewhere somebody went, well, she wouldn't have her full face of makeup on. So what they did is they put no eyeshadow on her. They had her eyelids, the same flesh tone as the rest of her face. And they gave her fewer eyelashes and made them brown as opposed to the black false drag queen lashes they have on her. If you haven't seen that, it is such a weird look but they wanted her to be really vulnerable in this moment and i'm like i it's so weird that they only now said let's see what miss piggy looks like theoretically without makeup on <laughs> so are we ready to talk some nuts and bolts about this particular episode oh okay okay picture it february 1978 so phyllis the tv show is off the air it had been on for three seasons did we determine and uh so she's still basically, she looks like her Phyllis incarnation of Cloris Leachman. Uh, early 78 means this is when they were, uh, this was around the time that they were filming the backdoor pilot for the Facts of Life, doing the Garrett's Girls episode and thinking about spinning off Charlotte Ray into her own show. And uh, because this was in first run syndication, it was never a network show here in the States. I will forego my 
what else was on TV that day section that I typically do. Um, but, but while we're on that subject, the show was produced in England. He couldn't get, he tried for the networks, he being, you know, Jim, uh, tried to get the networks to buy the show and none of them wanted it. And so he went to England and England said, yeah, we'll do this. And so then they did them in England and then they did them in first run syndication here. So that's why we got them up. It's at 7.30 at night, right before prime time. And because on, uh, on the BBC, shows are longer. They don't have commercial breaks because of the way TV is sponsored in England. Uh, there was always an extra unit of the show in the English version that was taken out before it came to America to make room for commercials. And uh, it looks like the ones on Disney Plus include those. And it would just be a song, a skit, or something that was extractable. And yeah, other than that, I don't have, again, what, what can one say about the Muppets that has not already been said? And um, Well, we talked for 30 minutes about the Muppets, so we probably said things. Yeah, they're lucky it wasn't 40. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's a great documentary about Sesame Street on um, Hobo Max. I'm sorry, HBO Max. And... Uh, I forget what it was called. It's called like the kids of the street or something like that. But if you have HBO Max, uh, I highly recommend the documentary about it because that is really a lot of the uh, inception of Jim Henson uh, is built into that. And uh, yeah. So Matthew, maybe we could uh, kind of do a, a little bit of a let's face the facts format here. And would it be weird for me to ask you to give a two-sentence elevator pitch of what happens in this episode with Cloris Leachman on The Muppet Show? Oh, my God. It's like Cabaret, the musical. The pigs take over the theater. <laughs> it's like Animal Farm. It's amazing. <sighs> I could not get over the laugh-per-minute ratio. How the jokes the density of how many fucking jokes that they had to include in every script. And they did this for five years, five seasons, 120 episodes. Yeah. They had 120 different ways that Gonzo blew that trumpet at the end of the opening theme with something going wrong or messing up with it. <laughs> 120 different variations in the opening. Eventually they, I don't think they did in the early seasons, but eventually they added a Statler and Waldorf, like a window where they would add a different dig for them to make about the show during the theme song. And it's like, well, that shit had to be written too. And yet it is the quality of it, I think never changes. I, I can't tell you a season five episode from a season one episode. Could you? No, but I mean- they're basically all dad jokes. It's a half hour of dad jokes, for God's sake. I mean, well, it's vaudeville. It's it's the middle aged vaudevillian writers that we criticize for being on the progressive show, The Facts of Life, because this is truly an old style, old hat vaudeville show, isn't it? It basically is. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, the puns come fast and furious. And uh, the thing I loved about this is, well, I guess this is a little more nuts and boltsy. Uh, the Muppets were, the, the main players of the Muppets were five. There were five of them. 
that we heard most of the time. It was a little bit of a boys club. You heard the occasional woman's voice, but it was a long time coming before the Muppets really got truly diverse, uh, even in gender. Uh, but the five that you've got is you've got your Jim Henson, who does Kermit and does Rolf. You got your Frank Oz, who does Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear. Uh, Dave Goles does Gonzo and um, Bunsen Honeydew. Uh, Richard Hunt is the voice of Scooter and Janice. And Jerry Nelson, who is the voice of uh, Robin, the little Kermit's nephew. And um, remember there was the old guy that was like the stage the stage door guy, like a Pops character. That was yeah. Jerry Nelson was more of a utility player. He didn't have any big Muppet show characters like a Kermit or a Miss Piggy. Uh, he's the voice of the Count on Sesame Street. Like Jerry Nelson is a big uh, name when it comes to all that stuff. But what was thrilling for me, I watch these shows and I watch a lot of animated shows like this too, like The Simpsons, where when a new voice comes in or a new character, immediately I think which actor is doing that role and how are they doing it differently from the other roles? I get really fixated on the vocal talent. Mm. And so with this, the pigs take over. There is a Kermit the pig that is this big green pig version that has Kermit's eyes. There's a Fozzie the pig, but they're voiced by different actors. This is the chance for the actors to imitate one another. So you have Dave Goles doing his Kermit the Frog impression as Kermit the Pig. It's Jerry Nelson doing Fozzie the Pig. When we get to the Swedish chef pig, the Swedish pig, um, typically that's the voice of Jim Henson and the hands of Frank Oz. And this time it's the voice of Frank Oz and I would bet you money. Those are the hands of Jim Henson because they always did that character together. Mm. So to me, I love that there's a lot of playfulness here where it's like they're getting to fuck around and do impressions of of their um of their colleagues and and i loved that whole angle of it i i just i this was delightful from start to finish for me even even with the musical choices yeah let's talk about cloris <laughs> leachman because the musical choices directly relate to her spots you want to talk about uh what number she does well she opens the show Announcing she's a vegetarian, mm -hmm. which is true. Cloris Leachman was a vegetarian since the 1950s. Um, you know how you know someone's a vegetarian, right, David? Know how. They'll fucking tell you. <laughs> so it seems appropriate that the whole show starts with her being announced as a vegetarian. Yeah. Um, and the joke is a bunch of cows come in and cheer her on. Yay, they're so happy. Yeah. And then she lifts up the dome of the food that's been delivered. And it's all fruits and vegetables that also are alive and able to talk. And they start booing her. Yeah. <laughs> um, she does. She gets to really sing in this episode. And sing she does. God damn. Yeah. Wow. Um, gets to show off her lovely soprano voice that she's got they do i mean and i don't i wonder in 1978 how many people got this that they do a takeoff of the old jeanette mcdonald nelson eddy bit yeah that was a trope that was that was a variety show trope 
every variety show did something like that. Charlotte Ray did that on uh, the Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell Sisters show. She did a similar type of thing where Charlotte Ray got to sing in her soprano voice and all that. And I agree with you. I'm not sure anybody even in the 70s remembered that because they're, that's like the 30s, like early 30s is their heyday, I'm pretty sure. It was like, that's a pretty deep dive even for the, yeah. I mean, but mm-hmm. but delightfully done so that even a kid who doesn't know what that is still found it amusing, probably. Mm-hmm. The fact that the boys come out and sing stout-hearted men, for God's yes. sake. Yeah, I don't know what the first number was. I didn't catch that. Didn't I, I forgot to look it up. But then it segues into her, her Mountie that she's singing with uh, is uh, Link Hog. Yeah, Link Hogthrob, the 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 pig that's the head of the um, Swine Trek ship in Pigs in Space, and it's voiced by Jim Henson, literally doing an impression of Ted Knight as Ted Baxter on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Like he just talks like this, and he's super, super stupid and dumb, and uh, you, you expect him to go, "What's happening, Mayor? Hey, Lou!" But uh, he sings, "Ah, sweet mystery of life, at last I found thee." And then together, uh, they go back to it after the chorus of pigs come in and sing stout-hearted pigs, not stout-hearted men, of course. And she competently is wailing on those coloratura notes. I actually didn't really think of her as having such a high voice, but wow. Yeah, she does. Mm -hmm. I always liked when they would do things like, it felt so theatrical to me to see like Miss Piggy in her pigs in space costume talking to Kermit and then going on stage. Like mm. it always felt so theatrical to me to see them in their costumes backstage. So I did love that she was wearing her costume that you were about to see her in. It's just, yeah, I always love that. Even the thing where we would cut to backstage and Kermit would be on the intercom saying, okay, next act on deck, you would see, the characters you just watched in a production number yeah. filing off stage behind him. And there'd always be room for one more joke or a pun or a zing as they're walking by. Like, yeah. it's like, you think you, you think we hit all the jokes about bananas? Nope. We're <laughs> getting ready to split or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so part of the plot of the pigs taking over is that uh, Kermit is kidnapped and we have this, I guess it's a storeroom or is it the, the boiler cellar? room? It's the boiler room. And so he's thrown into the boiler room and we keep cutting back to him. Fozzie has already been abducted and is already in there. And then they also get Gonzo, throw him in and Gonzo has a spoon and is determined to dig them out. And God bless him. He technically does do it. He just, it takes him till the end of the episode. But all of the jokes that follow are just amazing. Then we do get Fozzie Pig, doing a typical Fozzie bear routine with Statler and Waldorf heckling him and straight out of, you know, as every bit as good as one of the others. And even when they do the Swedish chef, the Swedish pig, he's doing a routine that you would, you could imagine the Swedish chef doing where he takes an ear of corn and puts it into a a musket or something and fires it and makes popcorn. By, by popping the corn through the gun. And it's like, yeah, I would totally see the Swedish chef doing that. Like this is every bit as good a Muppet episode, even though we don't technically get the familiar Muppets. Well, 
you forget, David. He's throwing. He's he's using the poop corn pooper. Is it? <laughs> That's the only word that came out of his mouth that was audible. And he threw it away so brilliantly. But yep. can we? Okay, let's talk about gay muppets for Christ's sake, David. You want to talk more about gay muppets? Let's do it. Statler and Waldorf. Oh, those old queens. Those two old queens <laughs> that always have box seats at the theater. They mm-hmm. hate everything and they've always got a bitchy comment that they think is funnier than what's happening on stage. So these people that are like the Muppets, the Muppets can't have gay Muppets. Okay, they've had them forever. Mm-hmm. Clearly, these are two old queens. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why we love them so much, because that is going to be us in 20, th- th- 40, 40 years. That's going to be us, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, God willing, yep. I'll be dead. <laughs> oh, please. Um, so I forget which, I think it's the veterinarian's hospital sketch. <laughs> in this case is vegetarian's hospital. And it's all pigs, but Miss Piggy is a regular on that. But we don't get Rolf as Dr. Bob, and we don't get Janice uh, and all that. We get two other pigs of Miss Piggy, but they're the same veggies that were talking to Cloris Leachman at the beginning. They're the ones on the operating table. And it is literally just a rapid-fire barrage of vegetable puns and pig puns. Like, the pig puns never end in this show. Two minutes of dad jokes, for God's sake. Yeah. God, Which, I love it. <laughs> I mean, you can kind of see where, I mean, I don't know. It just, it, he's hitting so many audiences with, with that two minutes. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're simple enough for kids to get and laugh at. Dads love you. I mean, you, you know, our job on Hollywood Boulevard, mm-hmm. dad jokes and the dads would die laughing at oh the, yeah i mean they just love them so much so so true it just it was great to see vegetarian hospital yeah and i believe that was the one that was omitted in the original american broadcast that was uh for england only um then we have uh they have a scene in the boiler room yes then miss piggy <laughs> Go ahead, you tell it, you tell it. Well, Miss Piggy decides that she's going to stand in solidarity with Kermit and Fozzie in, in the boiler room until they threaten to replace her in Pigs in Space. <laughs> and that's kind of the, that's that's the line she's not willing to cross. No. And she so brilliantly did this in the Muppet movie, and it's never not funny, where she just sort of does... <laughs> And just leaves. Yeah. And just that, you know, like we, she doesn't need to explain herself anymore. She, it's, it's literally, I am who I am. And we all know this. Let's just not try to sugarcoat it. I'm, you're, you're all fucking dead to me because I'm on, because I'm on right now. Well, and she's one <laughs> of those amazing characters in sitcom history that is just, there's nothing redeemable about her, but you can't not love her. Agreed. Agreed. Like Karen Walker was one of those, but I think the problem with her was 
honestly, I really think it was a bad choice to make her a Trump supporter in the in the reunion in the reunion. Oh episodes. yeah, that was that was like a, a kind of a, a line too far. Um, but nothing redeemable about her. But she was everybody's fucking favorite character on that show. God damn, she was so funny, and and it's because she was a cartoon, just like these are all you know yeah. three dimensional cartoons, and. Uh, yeah. Oh, before that that boiler room scene, they do a newsflash, the Muppet newsflash. I fucking love that puppet because he has no eyes, but he has the glasses. The glasses are his eyes. And yeah. if he gets a little bit, Jim Henson does the voice. And if he gets too animated, the glasses kind of bob up and down. And weirdly, Jim Henson does the voice of the newscaster. That's weird. I would have thought going by the consistency of everything else, it would have been one of the others mimicking Jim Henson's newscaster, but okay, whatever, it's fine. Oh, oh, and then in Pigs in Space, the ship is under attack. What is attacking them, Matthew? A chopped liver monster, David. From from the galaxy Zabar, is that what they said? Is there yeah. any meaning to that? Or is that just a nonsense word? I think it's just a nonsense word, but. Yeah, they might've said the galaxy Meshuggah or something, but. Well, <laughs> yeah, given the fact that the one line, the punchline of the whole thing is they say how hideous he is. And he goes, hideous for a dollar sixty-nine a pound, you want beautiful. <laughs> uh, every time I see pigs in space, I always think of a friend I had back in the 90s that worked for Disney at um Space Mountain. And he had some rather large female guests that were giving him a hard time. And when he finally got him into the rocket and sent them off. Um, from the control, he had been moved to the control room where they have all the video cameras and he got on the, the God mic that goes over the whole building. And when they went up to the top, he screamed, pigs in space <laughs> as, as no. they launched. No. <laughs> At Walt Disney World. Oh my God. Oh, I hope he still doesn't work there. He would be so fired. No, he doesn't. What was his name again? And where? what is his uh, Perner number in his address? Um, yeah. God bless him. Um, so just in time for the finale. Ah, uh, ha, I see what you did there. Yeah, we're, we'll get to that where they sing just in time. Uh, Kermit and uh, Fozzie are released from the from the the boiler room they're like what happened and turns out somebody next door decided to hold a hog calling contest so all the pigs ran off <laughs> there it is that's the denouement as it were that was the payoff the payoff of it and then at the very end during the curtain call when they're saying once again Clarice Leachman yay uh he did say isn't it great that the hog calling contest happened you know and uh where did those pigs even come from and where did they go and who would organize such a thing and Cloris Leachman says oh it wasn't that hard really and he's like what and he says you mean you did it and she did and she says well I am from Iowa <laughs> which is true and she is from Iowa and that and she does even do a you know he goes you mean you did the hog you're the one that saved us and the great goes oh it's so easy sue piggy 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 and they all come back so the final moment of chaos as the credits start to roll is all of them in front of the red curtain. The, the moment in front of the red curtain, don't you just want to live your life there? 
in front of the red curtain, surrounded by them all with all the hubbub and the loving and the hugging and the crazy and things blowing. I mean, that that is such, that warms me at the center core of my being. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, but the final number, do you want to describe what the finale is that Cloris is involved with here? Well, she sees that there is a weird pig Sweetums that shows up at some point. Yeah, thankfully he's gone. They've all taken off yeah, at this point and we get regular was, Sweetums. That weirded me out. That was not cool. cool. But you get Sweetums and mm. oh, you just love Sweetums, don't you? Mm-hmm. I just want to hug Sweetums. Ugh. He is just so adorable. He's so lovable and just so misunderstood because he looks like that. Um, mm-hmm. But they sing fucking Just In Time from the hit Broadway musical Bells Are Ringing, David. Starring the wonderful Judy Holiday, <laughs> Who was in Hot Spot with our close with- personal friend Diana Eden. So it's there are full circle. It's two ways this is related to um, mm-hmm. facts of life. So we were practically on this Muppet show yeah. with Chloris and company, yeah. but they're on a desert island where she crawls up and it's like, ah, there's a monster and he's going to eat me kind of a thing. And great and then- joke. Great joke. Do you make a good fondue? And she goes, well, yeah, wait, as a chef or as an ingredient? Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. And then another monster shows up to rescue her. This one played by Jim Henson. Uh, I assume they're the ones in the suits because, you know, they're singing. I think they're singing live. I, I can't remember. Muppet Show is not afraid of, uh, of a um, pre-recorded song and having guests no, and no. Muppets lip sync. And they're not afraid of a laugh track. But- no. It is consistent. It is always there. And I honestly, wasn't it good for us as kids to kind of be told it's oh, this is where you laugh. This is where the funny is. This is the rhythm of comedy. Yeah. I normally a laugh track is in many ways an automatic negative. Like autumn, oh, it's terrible. I don't mind it in this. No. I really don't. Uh so yeah, and it ends up with her singing just in time. And then they decide they're both going to eat her. And it's just this distant shot of them on this little tiny island with one palm tree and her being chased around it by the two of them in a circle. It ends on a a little bit, a little bit of darker note there, but you know, circle of life, I guess. (laughs) And uh, it's, uh, it was just joy. It's a lovely 23 minutes. Man, such a joy. I wish more Facts of Life cast members had done it so we would have more that we could watch. So you've watched The Muppet Show. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you you have memories. What is your favorite Muppet Show memory, David? (sighs) Linda Carter. Miss Piggy as Wonder Pig. And the Linda Carter show, because one of the greatest things about a variety show was it gave us a chance to see the celebrities of the day doing something different. And the Muppet show, I remember there was a great documentary that ran around the time of the show, like in the 80s, and they showed the making of a show. And they're like, they always would go to the guest and say, what do you want to do? 
And you know, Beverly Sills was like, I want to dance. And so they give Beverly Sills a tap number when she's the greatest operatic soprano in history. And to like, no, we're not, we're gonna let her sing a bit, but she's gonna do a fucking tap dance. Why not? And Linda Carter, similarly, when Linda Carter sang a uh, rubber band and she sang um. Uh, what is it? I was walking along, drinking in sunshine, when all of that I got of you. Flash, bam, alakazam, I gotta look at you. What is that song called? Orange Colored Sky. Orange Colored Sky. There it is. It should be called Wham, Bam, Alakazam. alakazam. Yes, it should be. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, so Linda Carter singing those songs you know, again, seeing her out of the Wonder Woman costume as a kid and seeing her singing and interacting and then to give Miss Piggy a Wonder Woman bit called Wonder Pig. It was just, uh, that is, that's the one that, boom, automatically comes to mind. What would be yours if you have one? Um, well, obviously the Ethel Merman episode. Singing um, There's No Business Like Show Business to Fozzie Bear. Well, there's that, there's the medley that they sing where she sings with them in their in her dressing room mirror they all show up and sing with her and she wrote in her biography when they sang mutual admiration society she said for me it was absolutely true but um mm. when we first went into quarantine um two years ago it was when like at some point the muppets showed up on Disney Plus, I don't know when, but I started, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch all of them. And when I got to the scene where Fozzie's going to give up show business and she sings the slow version of There's No Business Like Show Business, I was in the fetal position for hours after oh. that. Um, so that's oh. definitely my favorite episode to watch. But like one of my favorite memories is... Um, the Muppets doing, um, what's that song? There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. And it's interspersed with these giant hillbillies with guns shooting and these animals all hide when they come by. And then they come back out and, and sing, these little animals sing this song and it's just like jesus christ jim henson <laughs> Ugh. here's an anvil for the middle of your show but <laughs> like, it's so like i said that the way they they do things that are so socially relevant and just sneak it right in there and hit you in the heart that's it that's like you know the gonzo song the i'm going to go back there someday uh, i can't it's, I can't and and Rainbow Connection too. It's, it's just gorgeous, such songs. And and because we've grown to love these characters and they've been shown to us as three-dimensional, as vulnerable, as you know, the uh, great Gonzo is certifiably insane. He's like, I'm gonna shoot myself out of a cannon. I'm gonna, you know, take a giant mallet and squash my head and I'm gonna fuck a chicken. <laughs> But it's like all that happens. And then you get, this looks familiar, vaguely familiar. And it's like, oh, I'm going to just ball my eyes out. Oh. This was a lovely 23 minutes of, of my time, David. 
This was, I, I love it. Like I said, I wish there were more of these because I, I love when we can pull up shows that we enjoyed. Yeah, it was great. And uh, I'm thinking that this is, this is our TV Talkaholics. This is April, 2022, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we're just going to end it with, clearly from me, you get five out of five uh, Talkaholic chips for the Muppet Show, for anything Muppets, for Cloris Leachman on the Muppet Show. If it's got the word Muppet in it, it is an automatic five out of five for me. I'm just saying that right here, right now. Yeah. Of all the things I feel completely obligated and comfortable um, critiquing, the Muppets is not one of them. So five stars. How are you going to critique the Muppet show? Yeah. Where, how do you take snark and apply that to these, these beautiful, beautiful souls that have grown up with us? I mean, Jesus, if, if, are you that person? What, what the fuck is wrong with you? Who hurt you? Yeah. Back to your original question. Who hurt you? Mm. <laughs> All right, then. Well, 2D Fruities, thank you again so much for sponsoring the show. We've got something really exciting for next month. It's already in the works. Do we want to tell them? Do we want to give them a little, little bit of a teaser? I'm very excited, and I don't know why. It's not like uh -huh. it was a huge part of my childhood, but I've been suggesting this for a while. It's Battle of the Network Stars. Yes! Uh. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you've ever wondered what it would be like to see Lisa Welchel, Kim Fields, Scott Bayo, and Howard Cosell on the same TV screen, well, wonder no more. And if you've ever wondered what it would be like to watch sporting events with two bitchy gay men who don't know anything about the sports... <laughs> wonder no more you've come to the right place that is what tv talkaholics is for it's really a public service that we do for you oh you're welcome <laughs> so on that note thank you again tutti fruities goodbye matthew darling i will see you real soon Mwah. No, it's more about gel coat. When the fourth... Don't you call in the... More importantly, 